1: Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them to succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Joseph Kamayani, an SE, a client executive and principal at Corp, about his fascinating experiences working on five different continents, some of the challenges he's faced, and how his experiences working abroad has shaped his perspective on engineering and project delivery. Joe also provides valuable advice to engineers who aspire to explore career opportunities beyond their immediate surroundings. I'm your co-host, Rachel Holland.
2: And I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week with Joe.
1: Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to pursue a career in engineering?
3: Thank you, guys, for having me. So, let's see. I was born and raised in San Francisco. I went to school down at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. I studied civil engineering, and you know, I always had a passion for architecture and and math. I was always good at math, and engineering seemed to be kind of the right combination of those passions. So. I started my education actually at a junior college and and transferred to Cal Poly. So I started on the engineering path and continued on in civil engineering. And I love structural engineering. I mean, buildings and bridges have always inspired me and it's a a field that I knew I could succeed in. So here I am.
2: And Joe, I know your role has changed throughout the years. So you're currently a principal and client executive at IMeg. What are some of the key responsibilities of those roles?
3: I'm responsible ultimately for managing an office of about 30 engineers and drafters and um, admin staff. We do a ton of projects around the Bay Area, large and small and everything in between. So I'm responsible really for resources, making sure our projects are staffed adequately. I'm responsible for the bottom line, making sure the money coming in matches uh, you know, what we're spending on salaries and overhead and everything you know maintaining a, a level of quality control over our documents making sure that you know what we're sending sending out is is technically accurate and safe and code compliant we're responsible for all sorts of training and onboarding and new hires and making sure that we've got a good team morale so i think that's something i really focus on is is the teamwork you know the interactions between our our colleagues making sure that we've got a good environment for people to work in and be successful in so It's a really challenging job, but I really enjoy it. The opportunity is really great.
1: When I met you, Joe, one of the things that I thought was most interesting was all of your international work that you've done. I don't feel like I talk to a whole lot of people that have that experience. You've worked on five different continents for different firms. Can you walk us through sort of that journey and some of the highlights from your experiences abroad?
3: Yeah. So I started my career when I graduated from college in San Francisco I went right into structural design because I felt that would make the most of the degree that I had just earned. So I worked in San Francisco for about seven years and you know, eventually got my PE license and got my SE license and then really just felt like there were avenues that I wanted to pursue overseas. I should say that I took advantage of my dual citizenship. My mom is from the UK, so I have uh, British citizenship. So I moved to London with my wife and worked there for a couple of years for an architecture practice. They had recently started an in-house engineering group. So I got to work on some really exciting concept designs for large, you know, internationally scaled projects. From there, I lived in Panama for about five months. We were working on an airport in Panama City in Central America. So I was based in Panama for five months using the best of the Spanish that I had uh, gathered in high school and, and college. And after my time in London, I was up, in, in after about a couple of years, I decided to m- keep moving uh, further around the world. So I moved to the Middle East, to Saudi Arabia. I joined Bechtel, which is a large global construction and engineering firm. I lived in the capital city of Riyadh for about a year, working on the Riyadh Metro project. So it was a large infrastructure project in a city that didn't really have much public transportation That was really eye-opening. It's, you know, it was a total culture shock to move to a a country with, you know, very different society and and weather and and standards and customs. So that was really eye-opening experience. From Saudi Arabia, I transferred to an office in Taipei. So Bechtel has a design office there that I joined and ended up living in Taipei for about two and a half years. I was working on the same project in Saudi Arabia. We were working in a design center that was responsible for designing the stations for the metro system in Riyadh. So that was also really challenging. I was flying back and forth between Riyadh and Taipei every couple of months Lots of really challenging, you know, deadlines and deliverables, and so I was working as an engineering manager there, managing a full discipline team of engineers. And then eventually, when our designs were complete and we were, you know, trying to get jurisdiction approval for them, I managed a team of Taiwanese engineers and architects who flew to Saudi Arabia for weeks at a time to work through basically plan check comments with the local jurisdiction. So. Being an American, working in Saudi Arabia and managing, you know, a group of Taiwanese engineers was really kind of this crazy whirlwind of uh, kind of global corners of the world all meeting in one place. So that was really kind of an amazing experience. Obviously, I traveled around quite a lot from place to place and and got to explore the world in between uh, work. From Taiwan, I moved to Sydney, Australia, and uh, continued on with another international assignment for the Sydney Metro Project. So we were doing tunnels under the Sydney Harbor and excavating stations right in the middle of the Central Business District in Sydney. So another really challenging, large infrastructure project. And from there, you know, having lived and worked overseas for almost eight years, by then I had two kids. One of my daughters was born in Taiwan. One of them was born in Australia. We felt like it was a good time to move home and get ready for the, the school system. So moved back to the U.S., had a third child here, so I've got three girls now, and joined IMEG in 2020, just coincidentally right when the pandemic was starting. So that was another challenge. My first several months of, of work here at IMEG were at home, at my home office, while everyone was shut down for COVID. So Getting to know my new colleagues and and assert myself as a, a senior engineer and operations manager as I was at the time uh, was really a challenge, but worked hard to gain trust and and show people that I you know was willing to work hard and and be a really valuable team member. I think paid off, and now I'm principal and client executive managing the office here and you know trying to really just do the best work that I can to you know make our team successful, deliver great projects, keep our clients happy, and uh, do that day in and day
2: out. I'm just thinking about some of the the challenges from working abroad. I've never done it, but I guess I can see in terms of the cultural and language barriers, maybe even the drawings and (laughs) metric systems. (laughs) Could you go into some of the challenges by going and working overseas?
3: Yeah, it was definitely challenging. I mean, I think it was a lot of fun because it's exciting to travel. It's exciting to meet new people and try new foods and see new things but it definitely comes with its share of challenges i think you know one of the things that i learned working overseas is that engineering it's a global profession you know we can do our work anywhere gravity does the same thing in in any part of the world so similar materials and and you know understanding the fundamental principles of our work is is applicable just about anywhere with different methodologies and different construction techniques at a human level i think what really makes our engineering industry so interesting and and successful is that ultimately we're all people trying to help other people and it's amazing what barriers you can break by talking through things with people and getting to know what people's strengths and weaknesses are and how you can better offset those or supplement those or or add to those so working with people in Saudi Arabia who look and and sound a lot different to me or you fundamentally are engineers that want to build buildings and, and you know apply their skills and hard work to a project. So it was really very fun to realize that it's a small world these days, and you can really get very far by just connecting with people and learning from one another. I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned overseas. Some of the other challenges about language barriers or cultural barriers, I think it kind of comes with experience. I think building confidence was a really key factor in in some of my success. and, And that just comes with time. You know, you don't pick that off the shelf. You've got to develop that. And that takes a lot of time. So I think the investment I made early on in my career by learning hard, you know, learning as much as I can, rolling up my sleeves and working hard. I think eventually paid off because that confidence gave me the ability to feel successful in, in different circumstances or to be brave enough to approach a different group of, of people to try to explain my design or to get their approval or buy in. So I think that's a real key factor for us as engineers in our industry. And, uh, you know, it takes time. So it's a challenge.
1: In the countries that you were in, there were not English speaking countries. Did people typically speak English or did you always have translators? Was it hard to convey that? I mean, some things can get really technical. So even with your high school Spanish, I don't know, like, were you able to like convey all that?
3: That was a challenge. I guess my Spanish got me a bit further than I thought it would in Panama. That actually worked out pretty well. By the time I left Panama, I I feel like I was almost fluent, at least in an engineering sense. I probably struggled to, you know, converse with people on the street, but I was good at some of the engineering lingo because I sort of knew how to say pile or pile cap or rebar or dimensions on drawings and stuff like that. But obviously, English is a fairly international business language. So most of the work in Saudi Arabia was conducted in English. In Taiwan, a lot of our engineers were English speakers, so that was certainly a benefit. You know, there's a few people that didn't speak much English, and so those who could would translate for me. And I had to kind of check my privilege as well. You know, I'm here as a guest in other people's countries, so to sort of expect that other people are going to meet me with my language would be foolish. So I was respectful of people's language and culture. And, and, you know, knowing that I was a guest in their country, I tried to make sure that I was communicating as effectively as I could, because it's only fair to them that I meet them halfway.
1: Through all this international experience, and then coming back, how do you think that that sort of shaped your project delivery or just your perspective on engineering?
3: Moving back to the Bay Area, I sort of quickly realized that a lot of things change while you're away, but a lot of things don't. You know, things were was kind of nice and comfortable to jump right back in where I left off with my engineering career in in the San Francisco Bay Area. Those experiences overseas really really shaped me in a lot of ways that are hard to describe, and you know, without experiencing them yourself. But it taught me a lot of patience. It taught me how to really focus on getting the end result that you're looking for. And I sort of learned that cutting corners and and trying to take shortcuts and trying to speed through things just never really produced the result that we were looking for. So I always found that doing things really carefully, taking the time to do it right, spending a little bit of extra effort to explain things to people in a way that I can see that they understand them really always paid off so much more greatly than it would to kind of rush through something and and hope that it pays off or hope that it works out. So learning how to communicate well with others, certainly overseas, but even here now in San Francisco is really a key to finding success. And I think just being aware that we all come from different backgrounds, we all come from different ethnic, religious, moral, different kind of experiences, I think helped me understand how best to work with others because that's ultimately what makes us successful. You know, this is not career where you will be successful as an individual without a team behind you you know I think a lot about how they say that in uh, the times of the renaissance you know Leonardo da Vinci was this hero of engineering and and he did everything by himself and Isaac Newton was this genius and, and he you know as an individual achieved so much and Thomas Edison there's no one person now that is is finding that level of success like people did hundreds of years ago we're now part of a big team we're part of a bigger organization there's lots of moving parts and we've got to be able to collaborate with each other to find success and and that's how we produce such incredible buildings and designs that's it takes a team really to be successful
2: from your experience in terms of communication skills working internationally i feel like that's playing the communication game on hard mode but it improves a lot because i think you have that perspective on What you were saying earlier, like these are all engineers, and they're trying to get a building done, and he still has the same goals no matter where you're from. With that, what advice would you give to uh, younger engineers who may be hesitant to go abroad? I think that's probably U.S. engineers, I, I believe, are hoping to stay in the U.S., but what advice would you give them if they may think about going internationally, and how can they prepare themselves for that?
3: I really relished in the opportunity, and I feel really fortunate to have had the opportunity to go overseas. A little scary, it's a little different. It it certainly takes you out of your comfort zone. For a lot of people, the image that's portrayed in, in the media or in Hollywood paints the outside world as a little scary and you know the food's a little funny and people don't speak English, and, and that's the challenge. I really enjoyed that challenge, and I think getting exposure to it just made me want more and made me kind of want to challenge myself further to learn and to grow and develop as an individual as well as as an engineer. I talked a little bit about confidence and how your experience and and working hard can really open doors for you. I think that that is really a key. I think that people are given opportunities occasionally. I mean, they don't come often, but when doors open, I think it's really key to find a way to make them happen and to and to walk through that door and take on a new challenge when we're given that chance because, you know, letting them slip by, you may regret not capitalizing on an opportunity, but you'll never really regret taking it and and going for it and diving in. And I think that's really what it takes is, is kind of challenging yourself, getting out of your comfort zone. And that's when you grow. That's when you learn. And, you know, the experiences that you get along the way are really pretty amazing.
1: Based on everything that you've gotten to do in your professional life, if you were to think about the engineering industry sort of as a whole, what would you say are the biggest challenges and opportunities? And then how would you suggest that we address them?
3: Some of the challenges that we're facing are also some of the benefits that we're realizing. So Technology has been proving itself in recent years, but for a long time now, as, as a really amazing part of our industry. You know, software that can analyze the seismic loads on a building in, in a matter of hours that used to take days or weeks is incredible. And understanding how to harness the power of that software or some of our other digital tools or devices is great. Our industry has certainly welcomed that technology because it does make us more efficient and it does save time and it and it allows us to achieve more than we used to. I think that same technology, we've got to be kind of careful about how we use that and relying on the software too much or not understanding what the software is doing for us can be a real challenge and and it can hinder your ability as an engineer to learn and to grow and and be able to do things without a calculator in front of you or to do things without a computer in front of you is really important when I'm on site you know in the middle of Saudi Arabia trying to find out if I think a beam works or if you know there's enough rebar in a wall or something I've got to kind of be able to do that on the back of a of an envelope so I think that's critical the pandemic and and the work from home situation has also proven to be a real challenge. At one point, we all sort of thought, wow, this is great. Working from home is amazing. I don't have to leave my home again. I can work from my living room. And while that seemed like a really cool thing for a while, I think we've now kind of realized that that's taking away from some of the human interaction that we get as a team and some of the collaboration that we might miss when we're stuck on Zoom meetings like this one or Teams meetings or something. So I think being able to connect with people on a human level, put the computer away, put the you know calculator away for a bit and, and just talk through things with a paper and pencil or getting a feel for what someone else's comfort level is with a detail or with a schedule or a deadline or how we're supposed to be approaching a client for new work or something. I think the human factor is always there. And I think if we don't remember that that's there and that that's really how we all succeed and, and operate is by communicating with one another and connecting with one another really could be problematic for us. So I think finding the right way to use email, software, you know, computers to our benefit, but not letting them overtake us as humans and remembering that the team is still how we get things done and you know, the collaboration, sitting around a table together and, and talking through our ideas is, is really how we succeed together.
2: I know you've uh, been through all sorts of positions, but did you have any tips or career advice for engineers that are looking to get into the project management role, principal roles or advancing their careers? Like what skills that did you notice from working abroad that may be translated into that?
3: I tried early in my career to learn as much as I could and to be the best technical engineer that I could be and and to know the answers. And we're trained throughout our college careers to want to find the right answer. And, you know, your answer is either right or wrong, working through word problems and, and numbers. When you progress through the early stages of your career, I think once you develop enough confidence that you have the technical ability, I think what you really want to focus on is is other soft skills, communication or time management or kind of understanding how to manage a team or how to delegate tasks and understand how to work with other people's strengths and weaknesses. I think those soft skills are actually a lot harder to finesse and to perfect. But I think that's probably where I find most people succeeding in their pursuit of a project management role or kind of a principal level role is where those soft skills are working well for them. They can communicate really effectively. They demonstrate a level of confidence in talking to people and sharing their design or sharing their concept for a project or a a solution, I think is really what will allow you to go much further beyond the technical capability that you obviously need as an engineer. So I think having the technical foundation below you, but then being able to rise above that and and do more with your career is really where I think you can succeed. And and that's how I've you know managed to get to where I am.
2: Thanks for joining us, Joe. We really appreciate it. Uh, how can our listeners connect with you?
3: Well, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to your listeners. I'd I'd welcome any comments or questions, or um, if I can offer advice, I'd be happy to do that. You can find me on the iMeg website. It's iMegCorp.com. I've got a LinkedIn page, too, if you want to find me there. And uh, I'd certainly be glad to connect with people. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me.
2: I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit StructuralEngineeringChannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 102, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors.
0: at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.